Good afternoon, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson, welcoming you to the April 7th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you by the Security Federal Bank. They are our community development financial institution serving the Columbia, South Carolina and Augusta, Georgia metropolitan areas. They would love to hear from you whether you are a current customer of the bank or not. They offer paycheck protection program loans. They offer financial counseling and they offer mortgages, insurance, and other services for people in our area who are in need. Um, they look forward to hearing from you um, to see how they may be able to work with you to meet your needs. And one of the advantages of them as a smaller bank is that they can do a lot of the handholding that many of the uh, larger banks just aren't able to do. Also, I would invite you to take a look at the website of my company, that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. If you have missed any episode of my show, or if you want to share those with your friends and others in your circle, please go to my website, JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com and go to the Local Matters tab. You'll find all of my shows there. Local Matters family, my guest this week is Dr. Stephen Goggins. He is health director of the East Central Georgia Health District. He is going to discuss all things COVID with us today. Uh, we're going to just give an overview of everything that's happened over the last year and uh, let you know what uh, you should be doing uh, right now to ensure that you protected yourself. How are you doing today, Dr. Goggins? I'm doing very well, and I appreciate the chance to come on here and talk to you about public health and COVID. Great. I um, always ask our guests to describe how they got to where they are. Uh, how is it that uh, one day you're in medical school and next thing you know, you are director of a health district? That's a, that's a great question because public health physicians aren't super common. And so not a lot of people know about these jobs, but they really are a wonderful opportunities. I am a general internist. That was my training. And after I finished residency, I worked for MCG, Augusta University, what was MCG at that time on faculty. And I was there for um, a number of years, nine years, I think. And I had the chance to move to Athens, Georgia when they started the new medical partnership up there. And I was there for about five years, but while I was in Athens, I got more and more interested in teaching things about public health. I found myself looking for chances to do public health related teaching or other activities. I was fortunate to be able to get a master's of public health from UGA while I was there. And a friend of mine, uh, Dr. Catherine Martin, let me know one day, Hey, there's a, there's a health director job open in Augusta and you might be interested. I had not even heard of health director jobs at that point still, but I looked into it. I was very interested. And so here we are. I've been in this job now for six years as the health director for the um, district centered in Augusta. 
Okay. And when I think about health departments, I think about places to get shots. Um, We think about um, sexually transmitted disease and and those sorts of clinics. Um, Old school, you know, you think about tuberculosis and all of that. Um, Can you just tell us a little bit more about the types of things that at the uh, Department of Public Health covers? Well, the things that you named are some of our most traditional programs and things that we still do. We certainly do vaccines and uh, we do, we have a very active and um, successful TB control program. Some things that people don't think about so much, I guess, uh, we are the environmental health agency. So that's related to inspections of restaurants and inspections of hotels, on-site sewage, which is septic tank permits. And and, uh, so environmental health does a lot of things that touch a lot of people's daily activities. Um, In the clinical realm, we are very active in women's health, particularly in um, contraception, Um, And of course, sexually transmitted infections, which you mentioned, that's a big program for us. And then another arm of the public health that people don't think about so much uh, might be WIC. So we are the the agency that runs WIC in Georgia, Women, Infants and Children Nutrition Program, which combines nutrition support and education, nutrition education. Um, And that's a great program. So those are some of our bigger categories of things. Um, one thing that we'll probably touch on is we do epidemiology. We do the investigation of infectious diseases and um, case investigation and contact tracing. We've done that for years, and that's been a major part of the COVID response, too. But it's something that we've done. It just was never this big before. And if I go back roughly a year, because I started the show actually in March of last year, so I can always remember when I started because it was at the beginning of the pandemic. I think I recorded two shows in the studio before the uh, studio was closed down because of it. And um, uh, at that time, I called and I called and I was trying to get you as a guest on the show. And um, your staff described to me that things were just so hectic that there was no way that you could get away. And I understood that, but I was going to try anyway, of course. And um, that just brings to mind the chaos that the public health department had to be in at that time. We had this new strange thing and we didn't quite know what it was. Uh, Can you just give our listeners some idea of the chaos that you and your staff was experiencing during those days? I can try. It's, It's been very, very busy and hectic. I'm sorry I wasn't able to come on before. That would have been good. But at the beginning, we really didn't know. It's hard to even remember this now, but how little we knew about about COVID and coronavirus. uh, We've learned so much. But at that time, we really didn't know very much at all. And we were focused on talking to, we were talking to all sorts of agencies and groups about what they needed to be doing and trying to give best advice we could based on what we did know and guidelines. We were really trying to build a program to do case investigation because a typical year in um, epidemiology, we would have a few thousand 
reportable diseases that we might do investigations on. And all of a sudden in COVID, we were having maybe almost a thousand in a day. So it just took us from, it was an activity we're familiar with, because we had to ramp up staff. We were putting on staff in, in a, a number of categories as fast as we could get them. So we were, um, that was a huge thing. And, and, and that just started us off. The interesting thing about this and why it has stayed hard, I think, is that the challenges have changed over time. We um, were initially focused on some of those things. Uh, then later on, we came into testing and testing had to be built and ramped up. And then subsequently the vaccine and here you had to build ad staff because we're still doing some of these other things. Uh, so it's been a changing challenge. And I think that's what's kept it very busy is that it's not like we've been doing the same thing for a year. We've been having to do new things every couple of months. We get a different angle on this particular uh, infection. You know, as you say that, that reminds me of parenting. I say it's a different <laughs> challenge at every stage and, the, and you have to change with it. So sounds like the same thing is happening yes. with managing a pandemic. I think that's a very, that's a great analogy. Okay. Um, and as you talk about uh, public health and contact tracing and, you know, all those things that you have to do, one of the things that made me just I would just live it when I would hear people saying, well, nobody can tell me to wear a mask. Um, and every time I would hear that, I would think, well, the person who says that is somebody who doesn't understand what public health is. Because if you're trying to stop communicable disease, there are only a limited number of ways to do that. <laughs> and that's what the whole foundation of public health is built upon. Is that right? Public health is, I'd say it's prevention and it's for groups. Those are the things that distinguish public health. Not that the rest of medicine doesn't deal in those things to some degree, but public health is much more heavily focused on preventing than on, on treatment once you've got something. Um, and public health is targeted at groups and populations. It's trying to think about whole communities instead of as much like medicine thinks more about individual patients. So that's how they, they might contrast. And so public health as an agency, the Department of Public Health for Georgia is tasked with uh, a lot of the, the things that would help um, prevent significant illness in uh, groups. And of course, a, a pandemic is the almost the prototype of what public health would be for um, because of uh, it could affect everybody. And it sure is better if we can prevent them from getting sick than having to manage them once they do get ill. So, so yes, this is, this is, um, it is the public health event. Certainly it'll be of my career, um, maybe of, of a century. And so while it is, is super challenging, it is feeling like you're kind of living through public health history uh, because this is, a, this is a big thing for public health. Yeah, 
We are. And just talk a little bit about the structure. You mentioned the East Central Georgia Health District, which I think is about 13 counties. Um, How does the state of Georgia organize its public health services in response? That's a really good question. And it's uh, Georgia has a a little bit of a, um, it's a funny system. It's a hybrid of a local and central system. So there is a, a board of health and a health department in every county in Georgia. So we have 159 boards of health and at least that many health departments. And there is also then a state agency, the Georgia Department of Public Health. And we work together very closely, but they are separate in some some ways. The counties are grouped together into districts. There's 18 districts in Georgia. Some districts are one county, like Fulton County is its own district because it's so big. And then when you get to places with more rural counties like here, uh, they come in larger bunches. So we have, as you said, 13 counties. Richmond and Columbia are not quite three quarters of the population. And then the other counties can range down to very tiny ones. Uh, But because we work together as a district, we can we can do things that would be hard for a small county to do on its own. So that's how it organizes it. And I think it's got a lot of strengths in that it gives public health a presence everywhere you might be in Georgia. And that's, there's no, no county, nowhere you can live that there's not a health department. And so that's helpful. And, um, but that's, it's an unusual organization. Some states are much more centralized than we are. Um, but that's how we do it. All right. And um, I want to shift gears a little bit to COVID and the status of COVID-19 here in our area. Uh, I subscribe to the New York Times and every time I open it up on my phone or my computer and I read something COVID related, you know, these systems are so smart these days, it can tell where I am. So it will say, you know, Richmond County, Georgia, on high alert, high risk uh, for COVID. Um, And I think something that made the news, I don't know, probably now more than a month ago, I think that was in the news about uh, our status here in Richmond. I mean, how are you feeling about the Augusta area, the entire region, Augusta area specifically, um, and where we are in terms of of our COVID, um, the number of cases, number of deaths, and those sorts of things? I see the same thing. So I know exactly what you're talking about. I think that those reflect some pretty tight standards as far as what what's high-level transmission. It would have to be quite low to get down to um, below that. Actually, things are looking much, much better in, in Georgia and in specifically in Augusta. And I know I'm, I'm partly judging that in comparison to the most recent peak in January. I understand that, but still we are, we're doing really pretty well right now in terms of numbers of cases that we're seeing. And uh, also in Georgia, we're seeing a decrease in deaths, which is one of the most important things that we could, that we could see. Uh, but just to give a sense of the scale of things, um, 
right now at the, say in the district level, so the 13 counties, we are getting maybe 50 cases a day that we have to send over to be to epidemiology for, for possible case investigation. And in January, we were getting seven or 800 or more wow. per day. So we're way off of that bad peak. That was a terrible time. And uh, we're fortunately very far off of that. Would love to have seen the, the 50 turn into 20, turn into zero. Um, we've plateaued now at this lower level. Been there where, for several weeks. And uh, so far, we haven't seen an a indication of it going back up. I've read that you know, in other parts of the country, they're seeing that. And that may get to us, but we don't know yet. Uh, we're doing pretty well. That's good to hear. That is a very significant drop from 700 a day to 50 a day. So yeah, I'm sure that that feels a lot better um, to you. Um, what do you attribute the reductions to? I think there's several factors. One of the things we've definitely seen in this pandemic is that when things get really bad, people tighten up on their own um, mitigation strategies. They don't go into groups as much. They're maybe better about wearing their masks. They're better about keeping distance. And uh, that then will drop cases. But then sometimes when the cases drop, people get a little less uh, little less rigid, get a little more lax about it, and start doing those things again, That going into groups, for instance, and the cases will bounce back up. We've seen that several times, uh, but I think right now that's one thing. The other thing, of course, is the vaccine. We've vaccinated a lot of people. A lot of people are completely protected. A lot of people have gotten a, a dose and are at least partially protected. We've focused the vaccinations on the highest risk people. Particularly, we started with long-term care facility residents, as an example. That's a group that was just getting a tremendous number of infections and also hospitalizations and deaths. And so by protecting the highest risk people, I think we're going to impact the the case numbers that way. And then it may be some other things like warming weather or whatever that, that are smaller factors, but it's mostly those first two. Okay. And um, as you talk about vaccinations, uh, at one point when the vaccinations first came out, it seems like people were asking, well, how do I get one? And there seemed to be an awful lot of confusion about that. Um, what's the best way for anyone to find out if they want to get vaccinated have not gotten it already? What's the best way for them to figure out where to go and how to make an appointment and all that stuff? The best way is to go to the Georgia Department of Public Health website. Now, that's not because public health is the only place to get vaccinated, far from it. But I will say that on our website, uh, which is dph.ga.gov, like Department of Public Health.ga.gov, uh, that site has links to uh, register for public health sites, but also has links for a number of uh, pharmacy chains, it has links to the GEMA, Georgia Emergency Management Agency, mass vaccination sites that have opened across the state. And it has a list of 
providers in each area that are administering vaccines as well. So for the larger chains, you can find a link right there to try to see what their availability would be in your area. You can access your public health sites, um, your GEMA sites, and then you can look and see who else there might be like a, a local pharmacy or a clinic that might be in your area that wouldn't have a link necessarily, but they may be vaccinating and, and you'd wanna check with them too. There's no single point of uh, scheduling for all of those. It unfortunately takes a little bit of looking around, but uh, if you start at the DPH website, it gives you uh, pathways to a, a great number of the available vaccinators. And is it, I know at uh, uh, one location I drive by there a lot, it's one of your locations there at um, near the fairgrounds. Right. Fourth and uh, Hale, I guess that is, um, or maybe it's not, but anyway, it's near Fourth and right. Hale. Yes. Um, yes. The, um, that particular site, do you anticipate that that site, you have to have an appointment for that particular site? Is that right? You do. We're running, and I think almost everybody's running on an appointment basis. And and that's primarily because we have to know how much vaccine, a lot of this vaccine's frozen. We have to know how much to thaw out every day. And so we do appointments and um, you do. That's a great site. That's our biggest in the district for public health. It's at the old... Craig Houghton Elementary School, as you said, it's on 4th Street. If you go to that uh, dph.ga.gov uh, and go to the health department scheduler button, you can find appointments for Craig Houghton as well as for all the other public health sites there. That one's a drive through and a lot of people like drive throughs You don't have to get out of your car. You can just... Mm-hmm. I'll go right right in that way. That's that's been very successful. We're doing probably about 600 vaccines a day at that location. Wow. Okay. And if you get an appointment, you go online to get an appointment. Do you know? Does it take like if I went in this afternoon, would it be a week later before I could get an appointment? Do you know what the average time is? It probably varies by the different providers, but for us, we tend not to put out appointments more than about a week ahead. And so it would definitely be less time than that. And, and the reason is we get, you start getting a lot of no-shows because people are looking around like they should. And if, if I schedule you for two weeks from now, there's a good chance that you will have gotten another appointment in the interim. So we usually put out appointments about, we put out some appointments almost every day. So if, if there's not one today, you should just check back. But we only put them out about a week ahead uh, so that we keep it really relevant to people and um, and minimize our no-shows. Okay. And right now in the state of Georgia, is it anybody 18 and above that can make an appointment? Well, actually, the Pfizer vaccine can be given to people 16 and over. Okay. So we can schedule people 16 and over. Uh, you would want to make sure that the if you're 16 or 17 that the place you're going is going to give Pfizer because that's the only one that's authorized for 16 and 17 year olds right now. And also you would need your uh, parent or guardian with you so that they can give consent and get the information on the, on the vaccine. Okay. And 
for your Department of Public Health vaccines, are they, are you doing Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, which ones, is it any of the above, whatever you have that day, how does that go? Our site that we were just talking about at, at 4th Street, it's Pfizer only. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so uh, it just keeps it a little simpler to try to just use one. Uh, a lot of our health departments in our other counties use Moderna. Okay. That's probably their most frequent. Uh, we have used Johnson & Johnson almost exclusively for either educators. We did use it for that. And then um, for mobile operations. Because if anywhere that's... Uh, say a, a group that's harder to get to our site for transportation reasons or whatever. Um, we do have a, two mobile units and we try to use Johnson and Johnson there cause it's one dose and we can get them completely vaccinated with just the one. All right. And as you have shared this wealth of information, thank you so much. Um, this is one of the things people have been just asking, hey, can we get some more information about uh, COVID and vaccinations? Um, as you share this, is there anything else that you think our listening audience needs to know? Well, I just want to uh, thank you again for the chance to come and talk about this. The vaccines are going to be the end game here. The vaccines are the things that are going to let us get back to normal. And so I really just want to encourage everybody to try to get vaccinated as soon as they have the opportunity. Um, we are really fortunate. I think that we've got, that we have three vaccines that have been shown to be very safe uh, and also very effective. And so really anyone that a person could get will, will do what they want it to do. Um, so I just want to encourage everyone that's listening to take a look now uh, for an appointment. I think it's been probably, you got the sense that it was really um, hectic and hard. You might have to chase it down uh, at the beginning. And that certainly was true, but now things are starting to open up, especially in some of the smaller counties where there are appointments, there are appointments probably most days. And so if you've been waiting because you didn't want to get in the middle of a, a big uh, chaotic kind of event. I understand that, but now would be the time because it's, it's stopped being that way. Uh, so this is it. Take a look and, uh, and get yourself vaccinated. Okay. And I guess we'll probably never be at a time when you can't get vaccinated. Even if you shut down the big centers, you know, just like you go in to get a shot now for tetanus or a booster, you know, they'll all, you all probably be giving COVID vaccines from here on out. I think that's right. I think you're absolutely right. I think what's going to happen is as we vaccinate large numbers of people, the big sites will probably close down at some point, but then it'll be like, uh, think of it like a flu shot. You can get it at your doctor's office. You can get it at a pharmacy. You can get it at a health department. There's a bunch of places, whatever's most convenient for you. I think that's where we're headed. Uh, at some point, this will just be a vaccine that you can get across the healthcare system. All right, great. Thank you so much, Dr. Goggins, for sharing all of this information with our listeners. Uh, this has been the most interesting year ever 
for a public health professional and, and, you know, all of the impact that it has had on, you know, worldwide. So uh, I just really appreciate you being able to come and take the time to share with us. If you could give us that web address one more time um, so people know where they can get information about signing up for the vaccination. Absolutely. It's uh, the Georgia Department of Public Health website is dph dot ga dot gov dph dot ga dot gov our purpose here at local matters is to bring you programming that makes you think and we will continue in that vein by next week having Bratton Riley. He is the chief executive officer of CityBot. And we're going to talk about what it takes to create trust in local government. The following week, my guest will be Mrs. Lynn Bailey. She is Director of Voter Registration and Elections for Richmond County. And I've invited her to join us to talk about all of the changes uh, that were recently approved through the legislature and later signed by the governor. Um, There's so much out there. Just wanna make sure that everybody has an opportunity to be clear on exactly what those changes are, how they affect affect you uh, and how you need to prepare uh, for the next time that you go to the polls to make sure that you can indeed meet the requirements to vote. Thanks so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net because local matters.